Charlie Wessler trembled as he prepared to tell Penny the cold, hard truth. They smoked outside the stage at Paramount Studios while she taped the last episode of Laverne and Shirley, the mega-popular, critically-panned ABC sitcom that made her a household name. In 1983, the show, which centered on two women roommates who paid the rent by capping bottles at the fictional Schatz Brewery, was ending its seven-year run. The ratings had dwindled. Cindy Williams, who played the bubbly Shirley Feeney to Penny's deadpan Laverne DeFazio, had walked off in protest, pregnant with her first child. The suits in charge, patriarch Tony Marshall included, refused to write in a pregnancy for Shirley, which would have been an easy solution to a happy problem, right? Right. But things were different back then. Different and yet the same. Penny did the final season solo. Then the suits pulled the plug. After all that backstage drama, Penny was ready to leave Laverne behind. Laverne, however, wasn't done with Penny. The two characters, one real, the other a heightened version of the real, were inextricably linked. Penny loved drinking milk with Pepsi, and so did Laverne. Penny knew how to tap dance, as did Laverne, both spoke with a lethargic Bronx accent and eviscerated fools in their midst with a withering look. Where did Penny end and Laverne begin? The lines blurred. People saw Penny on the street, even in Paris, and yelled, Laverne! Given this deep-seated association with her alter ego, Wessler doubted whether she'd be able to land major roles playing not Laverne's. He had met Penny through his friend, Carrie Fisher, with whom he attended Beverly Hills High School. While Wessler aimed to become a movie producer, he realized that reaching his goal could take time. He decided to try his hand at managing talent instead. Actress Arlene Sorkin, who was Wessler's girlfriend, and improv comic Julia Sweeney were his first clients. He wanted Penny to be his third. It was time to make his move. Look, he told Penny, you understand that when you leave this show, no one's gonna hire you as an actress. All they know is you're Laverne, and that's the only thing they're gonna be able to remember and know about you. He predicted the rejections. No, we don't wanna hire her to be in our movie because she's Laverne. Penny's reaction to the truth-telling? She gave a lackluster, ugh. Deep down, she knew her limitations as a performer. I'm not gonna be doing Shakespeare in the Park, she joked later. To keep her life interesting and stay relevant in a creative community filled with smart, funny, successful people, particularly the smart, funny, successful men whose company she craved, then she had to do something different. What was that something? An open door, the promise of fun around the corner. Sure, Penny liked to complain, but she also liked fun. I think you should be a director, Wessler stated. The pivot made sense. She'd helmed four episodes of Laverne and Shirley. She was already a proven commodity. If they looked past Laverne and took Penny seriously, the suits would see her potential to punch up comedies, to make the laughs louder. People don't understand, he said. They don't realize that you know where all the jokes are. 
Penny agreed that directing was a great idea. She hired Wessler as her manager on the spot and opened a door for him, straight to a desk in her office at Paramount, which boasted a thrilling perk, Xerox machines. This was the big time. He felt like a real player, a professional. He had made it thanks to her.